You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman, and today, Moses and the Meetings. Moses and the Meetings. Today, on Words of Encouragement. As we look at our... uh, We're going to continue looking at the great stories of the Bible. And I've entitled this, Moses and the Meetings. Uh, And I know, boy, meetings. As I looked at this, as I read through these passages, and I began to look at this, I, I began to realize that nothing gets accomplished without some kind of communication in some kind of meeting. Now, I also know that a lot of people do not like meetings. Uh, some people just... Now, there are things that could have been taken care of in an email and not, you know, instead of just instead of everybody coming together and taking time and having a meeting. Uh, but then there are other things that meetings are good for, and meetings are good for the, the purpose of allowing people to share their ideas. What's happening in a meeting is... There is a, there, there's usually a vote at the end on a topic. On, and so before that vote happens, there's an opportunity for those in the meeting to share how they feel, share their opinion, share their, uh, you know, maybe their ideas about whatever the topic is. And so it's good because it gets buy-in. You know what's happening. People are aware and they feel like they are contributing, which they are. Uh, and so that, that's important. So meetings are important, but they can be very boring as well. I have been, how many of you have been to a boring meeting before? You sat there and like you had, this is, these are the worst to me. I go to a meeting, they, they give you a handout. And then they go word for word through the handout and they even have it on the screen. And it's the same words. And it's like, just give me the handout, let me go home. I can read this myself. But they want to do, and, and, they, and this, the worst are the ones where they never ask. You have any questions? They just say, here it is, boom, boom, boom. And you're like, eh, okay, I got it right there. Yeah, I can see. I know what you're about to say. Okay, and it's over. And you're like, oh, worst, you know, few moments of your life, it feels like. Wasted time that you'll never get back. But communication must, be, must take place in order for ideas to be shared, in order for ideas to be communicated, and for, in, in, you know, for the purpose of sharing. And for, so meetings are important. Well, when we left Moses, he and his wife, uh, he had his wife, he had his sons, and what else did he have with him? The staff, the staff of God. And he's headed to Egypt. Okay, so he's headed back. God has told him, you're going to go. You're going to talk to Pharaoh. And this is, how, this is what's going to happen. And uh, we've already been through the struggle that Moses had. I don't know about that. I don't know. I, well, I, uh, God said, you're going. You're going. Well, let's, let's join the story and see what happens and what we can learn from God's word. Now, Moses, the first thing we see is that Moses meets with God, Pharaoh, but he also hears a warning. Now, we're going to start looking at uh, chapter 4. We're in chapter 4, looking at verse 21. Chapter 4, verse 21 of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Now, this hardening of the heart, that this is a huge topic among, uh, among scholars, among 
real people like you and me uh, who look and say, now, wait a minute, why in the world this doesn't seem fair? Why would God want to harden someone's heart, to strengthen someone's heart against someone or, or, or a situation? It's just, just this puzzling here. It seems cruel. It seems overbearing. It seems heavy-handed. It seems like God's setting up this encounter here. Uh, and that just doesn't sound right in our ears. Well, something we need to understand is that God knows the heart of Pharaoh. And if you will read, if you will take some time to read through Exodus, and especially from, four, from uh, chapter 4 forward, you will see that Pharaoh's heart was hard. But then toward the end of these times, these encounters where Moses goes and says, let my people go, let my people go, there comes a time toward the end where then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And what we're seeing here is a heart hard against God, a, hard, a heart that is hardened against God's people anyway. And God knows the intent of Pharaoh's heart. God knows he's not going to give up. But he is allowing Pharaoh to make some decisions here, but Pharaoh proves himself and hardens his heart. And then later God says, okay, fine. I'm going to harden your heart. I'm going to do it. Because this is the way you're going and you're not turning back. You're not changing. I can see that. You've already proven that to us. I'm going to allow your heart to be hardened. Just to go ahead and be hardened. Um, God knows that Pharaoh doesn't want to lose the Hebrew children. They are his workforce. Now you think about it. Here they all are. They're building. They're working hard. And he's, work, he's worked them harder. And he is putting them. I mean they are working. He's working them to death here. And they're working and working. And they're, the stuff's getting done. I mean, things are being built. I mean, this is great. You know, he's got us uh, this whole workforce of Hebrew people, and he's got them working. Well, he doesn't want to lose them. He doesn't want to lose them. So you, we already know that in Pharaoh's heart, he's not about to let them go. I mean, not about to let that. He's got he's got a good thing going here. He's not about to let it go. A lot could be done through their hands, and it just wouldn't be good if he let them go. So God is allowing Pharaoh to be who he is to a certain, and at a certain point, he's. He's going to strengthen or harden Pharaoh's heart. The Jewish study Bible helps us with this. Uh, did you know there was such a thing? A Jewish study Bible. It's a very, very neat Bible. It says, God here speaks of the final stage of the confrontation with Pharaoh. He does not stiffen Pharaoh's heart initially, but only after Pharaoh has done so himself many times. So Pharaoh has already shown, hey, I want my people here. You know, uh, his people. I want my slaves. I got, I'm getting stuff done here. I'm fine with that. I'm keeping them. I'm not changing this at all. This is not about to change. And so he's, he's proven himself. It, but then God punishes Pharaoh in kind, depriving him of the freedom to change his mind and escape further punishment. So Pharaoh has proved, I, I'm, no, I'm not changing. I'm not letting these people go. I'm not doing that. He has the choice. He can let them go, but he has decided he's not. And so God says, okay, fine, fine. If you're not, I'm going, to I'm going to remove the freedom you have to even choose other than letting them, uh, other than keeping them. The, the process is drawn out so God can make abundantly clear that he's in charge. He's in charge. So God tells him to go to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh will not let his people go. Look at verses 22 and 23. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. I love this. Look at verse 23. So I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son 
your firstborn. God looks upon his people as his firstborn. This is my firstborn. These people are my firstborn son. This is how I'm looking at them. God says he will kill Pharaoh's firstborn because he refuses to release the Hebrew children. What I want us to see just by looking at this this morning, this passage this morning, is that God is in control and he means what he says. He is in control and he means what he says. And you and I need to know that. We need to understand that. We need to understand that he is in control. Even when we look at our world and say it's, 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 it's out of control. God's in control. He knows what's happening. He sees what's happening. And let me tell you, he's going to hear the cries of his people. Amen. He hears the cries of his people. Well, the next thing we see is that Moses meets with Aaron and the elder. So another meeting takes place. So he meets with Aaron. Look at verse 28. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with uh, which he had sent him and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. So Moses relays this information. He's got a meeting here with Aaron. They're talking about it. Moses says, this is what God said. This is what he enabled me to do, and this is what we're going to do. And I'm letting you know because obviously you're with me. Uh, You're with me now, and this is what we're doing. Uh, Now watch what happens. Look at verse 29 and 30. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words. Notice who spoke. Who was it? Aaron. Uh Uh-huh. Moses. Aaron will be your mouth. I'll be with your mouth. I will be with Aaron's, God said. Come on. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. He then performed the signs in the sight of the people. Whoa. So the elders of Israel, the sons of Israel, they hear the words of God through the voice of Aaron that were given to Moses. And they see the signs that were given to him. Whoa. Can you imagine the staff turning into a snake in front of their eyes? And then, then oh, whoa. This is, pretty, this is pretty wild stuff here. Obviously, God has spoken. And they see that. And they understand that. And so there is, there is some good information being shared with these elders here. And look at what happens in verse 31. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel... He's concerned about us. He cares. He cares. In the depths of the night when you're sitting there and you're wondering what in the world is going on in my life. Does God even care about me? He cares. That's what jumped out at me. That's what jumped into my face when I read that verse. He cares. And when the children of Israel, when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel. And that he had seen their affliction. He sees it. He's not, a, he's not hiding from it. He sees it. Then they bowed low and worshipped. This is great news. This is great news to the elders and the children, uh, the people. This is so, this is this news is fantastic news to them. God is concerned. He had seen their affliction. And once they heard this, they worshipped him. There's nothing like that feeling when you are far from God. There is nothing like that feeling. You feel so separated, so separated from him. You maybe experience a pain that, that you can't even put into words, that you can't even share with others, and you wonder if God hears and knows what you're going through. He does. He does. He hears and sees. He knows. If he hears your cries and sees your affliction, be assured he cares. Be assured he cares. He's... He, Look, look, God is not like the priest who passes by on the other side of the road. He beholds you. He sees you. 
He takes in the whole picture of what is going on in your life. And he cares. He cares. That's the best news. That's the best news I've heard today. Is that he cares. He doesn't walk by on the other side of the road when he sees your pain. He doesn't walk away from you when you're in pain. He doesn't. I can tell you from personal experience, I know people who have walked away from him, but he doesn't walk away from them. They walk away from God and they say they're mad at him and they're frustrated at him and they, things didn't work out like they wanted it to work out and they're mad at God, but God is there. God sees their pain, he knows their pain, and he walks with them in the pain. All they have to do is lift a hand up and they'll find his hand there. Reach out to him. He hears your cries. He sees your affliction. Know that. Know that. Oh, I wish I could, I, I don't know, I wish I could just help you to know that. I wish I could do other than telling you. I wish I could just put that in your head and in your heart where you would walk out of here and go, God hears, he sees, he knows, and God cares. That's the thing. He cares. The next thing we see, the next meeting that Moses had is a meeting with Pharaoh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is the big stuff here. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I, I, I just hear it in Charlton Heston's voice all the time, every time I look at it. Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me. In the wilderness, let my people go. Let them go. Look at it. It says, so that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. Now, this, this is something that they want to do, and they are unable to do freely and in a, in, in a way that, that, that they're talking about here, to be able to go out, out of, of Egypt, out of that place, that horrible place, and into another place so that they can celebrate a feast to God. Pharaoh is aware that, that's kind of, that, that, that something's not right because they're going to go out. And it says, let my people go that they may celebrate. If they're going to the wilderness, they're going a, a good ways out. And if they go a good ways out, well, they may just go a little bit further and never come back. And Pharaoh's not a dummy. He knows, he sees, and he's like, huh, huh, huh. So Moses and Aaron, they ask for the people to be allowed to go out into the wilderness. Look at verse 2. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. Look, there is no one greater than Pharaoh. That's so Pharaoh thought. So, he, so, so the people were taught. There's no one greater than Pharaoh. Oh, no. And so this is insulting that they would come and say, that the Lord, that they want to worship the Lord, celebrate a feast to him in the wilderness. Who is this Lord? I, I, why, why should I obey his voice? I don't know him. I'm not letting these people go. One does not question Pharaoh or his authority, and that is exactly what has happened here. Moses and Aaron have, have, just, done, have done just this. <laughs> Pharaoh doesn't know this Lord. Why should he obey him that he does not know? Good question. Good question, huh? Why should he obey God, a God he doesn't know? Why is it that we feel that certain people in our nation should do certain things because it's the right thing in the sight of God to do when they don't believe in the God we serve? We do a good job of putting on others sometimes uh, the way we live 
and saying they need to live this way. They need Jesus is what they need. They need to know Him. Then they will see how they should live. Then they will live the way God wants them to live. But we sometimes get, we think, oh, well, we just, well, here's Pharaoh. Oh, I don't know your God. I, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I am not doing this. You, you, I don't know who you're talking about. There's no way I'm going to obey him. Look at verse, then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. It's going to be bad for him. In a way, they're saying to Pharaoh, you might, you might lose us unless we get out there and worship the Lord. Unless you let us get out there and have a feast to the Lord, you might lose us. He may, he may get rid of all of us. So there's a, there's a kind of an intimidation factor going on here. There are consequences for God's people if they do not obey. Now, ironically, these consequences eventually come to Pharaoh, who does not obey God. Very interesting. Moses and Aaron are trying to make the point that they will be in trouble if they do not obey God. And then what? It's not going to work out. So, Pharaoh, you got to let us. you got to let us go. We've got to go worship. We've got to go worship. Look at verses 4 and 5. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Go back to your labors. Again, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their labors. They're working. They need to work. We can't stop this. They need to work. I need them working. Pharaoh's not about to lose his workers. In fact, on the same day, he commands the task masters over them and the foreman to not give the people straw to make bricks and make them go find straw on their own go find straw on your own to make the bricks so time wise this is going to take a little longer on top of that though the number of bricks is not supposed to drop in production now look this is impossible i'm giving you straw make the bricks oh no now You know, the number of bricks doesn't need to change, but you need to find your own straw. Look, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. He is making it so hard. And Pharaoh then says that they are lazy because they're requesting uh, to sacrifice to their God. Look at verse 9. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so they will pay no attention to false words. In other words, the words... God, the words that were given to Moses, the words that were given to Aaron, the words that Aaron shared with the people and the sons of the elders. Don't listen to that. You give these people hope that they're going to get out of here. You give these people hope that they're going to get let, that, that, that I'm going to let them go. It, things are not going to go well. I don't need that. I don't need them listening to this word, these words of hope, these the words of God. I don't need this. He refers to those as false words or lies. Wow, those. Those were the words of God. Those those were the words of God. And Pharaoh says those are false words. Those are lies. Whoops. (laughs) I mean, we're talking. Look, Pharaoh is treading on hallowed ground here. Holy ground. And whoa, Bubba. But he's moving along. He's moving along. This is how he feels. This is what he wants. Nobody's going to hold him back. So the task... Uh, masters relay the fact that the people need to gather their own straw and that there should be no reduction in the number of bricks made. The foremen are then beaten when the impossible task is not completed. 
This is just ridiculous. Well, I told you to do it. Do it. Well, it's impossible to do and to still get the same number of bricks. They had to go out and find straw, find it, and then bring it back in and do all the time-wise, it was impossible. But that's what they they complain. And Pharaoh answers in verses 17 and 18. But he said, you are lazy, very lazy. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. So go now and work. For you will be given no straw, yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. Go back. So this situation seems to be getting worse. It just seems to be getting worse. You ever, where are you in your life today? Sometimes the situation seems to be getting worse and you struggle and you struggle and it's not getting better. It seems to get worse instead of better. Truly, not every situation works out like we like it to. But in the midst of it all, what are we to do as God's children? What are we to do? We're to trust in God. We're to lean on Him, trust in Him, allow Him to do what He wants to do and how He wants to do it. And when He tells us to do something, we obey and we do it. Even when things look bad, even when things look terrible, God can still be trusted when your situation seems, as I said, doomy and gloomy. Your situation, whatever you're in, God can still be trusted. God can still be trusted. Just because we don't understand doesn't mean he's not at work. Just because it's not working out like we want it to work out doesn't mean he's not at work. It doesn't mean he doesn't hear us. It doesn't mean he doesn't see us. It doesn't mean he's not going to do something about it. Well, the last thing we see here, Moses meets with God. The foremen are troubled. The foremen over the people are troubled about this as they leave Pharaoh because Pharaoh's just bent. He's like, yeah, this is the way it's going to happen. It's the way it's going to work. You pick you lazy people. You lazy people, you got to go out and worship God's sacrifice. No, no, no. Go to work. Go to work. Accomplish the impossible. <laughs> so they leave Pharaoh. They meet with Moses and Aaron. Hmm. Look at verse 21. They said to them, May the Lord look upon you and judge you. For you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand. To kill us. They're not happy with Moses and Aaron. They've decided it's their fault. It's their fault all of this is happening. And in a way, one might say it is. But where is their trust in the Lord? Where is it? Well, you say, well, well, they use his name. They say, may the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you've made us odious in Pharaoh's house. They still believe in the Lord. Yeah, they believe in the Lord, but they're not trusting in the Lord to deliver them. They're not trusting in the Lord to do what he said he was going to do. He said he was going to let them go. It's going to happen. But they're like, oh, now, look, it's harder. It's worse. It's terrible. We're in a terrible spot now. We're in a spot that we never thought we'd be in. We're in a spot we never wanted ever to be in. And it's y'all's fault because y'all came to Pharaoh and made this deal about letting us go. It's y'all's fault. May the Lord judge you, Moses and Aaron. May he, may he punish you, Moses and Aaron. Look at verse 22. Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Look at verse 22. The, I just read 23. Look at verse 22. Then Moses... Return to the Lord. Here it is. They've, they've put it all on Moses and Aaron. 
you, you, you people, you, you, you got us in this situation. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Here's Moses. Why did you ever send me? Here's Moses again. Moses has not fully bought into the fact that God is going to deliver his people. It's like, come on. Come on, Moses. But there by the grace of God go us. I mean, we could, we, that, that could be us. And is that us sometimes? God's going to work this out. God's going to work this out. Well, it doesn't seem like he is. Doesn't seem like he is. I don't see, I don't see how he could. I'm looking at this situation. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. We, there is no, look, Moses is no better than us. We are no better than Moses. He is upset. And my goodness, look at, I just cannot get over what he says. Oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? It's almost like, God, I told you, I, I told you this wasn't going to work. I told you I couldn't do this. I told you nothing good's going to come out of this. I can't do this. Ever since I came to favor to speak in your name, he has done harm to his people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Wow. If I were God, and I'm not, amen? Amen. You're glad. If I were God, I would come mighty close to some kind of physical display of disdain toward Moses. I would come very close. Mm. But this is a human being with feelings and doubts. And I think we can relate to Moses. I think we can look at Moses and we can say, that's me. That's me. I, 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 I come and I say, God, look, according to my timetable, you're not working fast enough. And I come to him and I say, you know what? This and this and this and this should be happening, but it's not. Now, I, I, I thought, I, come on. And I, and I can see myself in Moses and God saying, look, this is going to be okay. And me saying, when? Me asking, when? I don't know. He hadn't done it yet. Woo. That's thin ice to me with God. And yet, don't, don't, don't we find ourselves there sometimes? It's okay if you do. You're a human being. You're learning to lean on the Lord. You're learning to trust Him. And it's tough sometimes. But we're learning. Look at, look, at, uh, look at chapter 6. Look at chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What happened? Wait, wait, what happened? Moses was... Moses pretty much just insulted God. He said, And you have not delivered your people at all. But... And then the Lord says to Moses, now you, you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Well, wait a minute. I, I figured, you know, at this point, God would have let Moses have it. You know, Moses, what, I told you I was going to do this. You knew that I was going to do this, that this is going to work out. And, 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 and now you're coming to me like this and blah, blah, blah. blah. I, you, wait a minute. What is it? You know what? I think God at this point has heard enough of excuses from Moses and that he just kind of moves on. 
You know, he lets this slide here. He says, you've not delivered your people at all. God could have... God could have decided he was personally offended at Moses at that point. God could have zapped Moses off the face of the earth. He could have said, this is ridiculous. You, you're going to obey me. I'm going to make you do it. You, you have no more will of your own. God could have done whatever he wanted to do at this point. But he didn't. But he didn't. He didn't. And, and, and this is our God. He doesn't get all upset at Moses at this point. He moves along and says, look at this. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for under compulsion he will let them go. It is going to happen. (laughs) It is going to happen, Moses. And under compulsion he will drive them out out of his land. It's going to happen. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and I am appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, or we would say Yahweh, if we want to speak the name, the holy name of God, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourned. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham. Remember? Remember people? They remembered Abraham. Oh, yeah, yeah, you said, oh, yeah, that's right. Isaac and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. How much clearer can God be? I mean, what else do you need? Did, did Moses and Aaron need a picture drawn? Did they need a picture? I'm a picture kind of person. Draw me a picture and I can understand better. God was as clear as he could be here. It was by power and force that Israel had been enslaved. And that same hand will drive them out. Kind of ironic. Kind of ironic that by power and force, Israel had been enslaved Work hard, work hard. But that same hand is going to drive them out. Drive them to freedom. Amazing. This is not the first time Moses has heard what God is going to do. Moses sometimes seems to hear words, but he does not listen. It's almost as if he doesn't take them into his heart and believe them fully. He hears what God is saying, and he feels like, well, i got to go and do this. I mean, you get... You know, I don't have any excuses not to because God keeps coming back and saying, well, no, 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 no. I'm going to be with you. You have no excuse. Okay, I'll go do it. But it's as if it's not sinking into his mind. He's hearing it, but it's just not solidifying in his mind and heart. Look at verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. Ouch. Moses tells the people, this is the good news. God is going to do this. 
This is great news. Look, you're going to get out. You're going to be out of slavery. You're not going to have to work all this. You're not going to be punished like this. And you're not going to have to work so hard. This is good news. If anybody had heard that, I would have thought they would have been excited. Moses tells the people what God has said, and they do not choose to hear or cannot hear because of their shortness, their anguish of spirit. The people were discouraged, dispirited, and weary. They had gotten to that point. It's hopeless. Hopeless situation. We're never going to get out of here. This is where we're going to be for the rest of our lives. Moses and Aaron have come in. They've stirred the pot. They've told Pharaoh this. And now we're working harder. We're never going to be free. This is ridiculous. This is it. This is where we're going to be. And they had almost just accepted the fact that this is who they were and what they were going to be like for the rest of their lives. How many of us or how many times do, do we fail to listen to God because we've allowed ourselves to be overwhelmed by a situation? How many of us have been there? A situation's come into our lap. It's so overwhelming. We can't handle it. And God is over here saying, hey, 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 Craig. Hey, Craig, can you hear me? I'm here. Craig? Oh, but it's just so bad. It's so heavy. I can't deal with it. I don't want to. I, I, it's, it's so overwhelming. It is so powerful in my life. And all I can do is think about it. And there's nothing else. And I know there are people that can help me. But I'm not there. I don't want to hear it. I'm in a bad spot. How many of you have been in a spot like that? I'm not condemning anyone for that. No one should be condemned for that. Because sometimes the pain is so big that we feel we cannot and do not want to listen to God. In our hearts, we know He's there. We know He's there. We know He's there if we'll call out to Him. We know He's right there with us, ready to help. But at the time, we may not want to hear it. Because sometimes we've allowed ourselves to, we, we've allowed ourselves to be convinced that this is it. This is my life, and it's bad, and it's just going to be bad. And we've accepted that. We've accepted that. And God is over on the side saying, hey, hey, I'm right here. Come to me. Please let it go and come to me. Please. God understands. He's the one who's there to give us comfort and care. He knows our pain. He's with us. And he desires to deliver us. Look at verses 10 and 11. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying... Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the sons of Israel go out of this land. Here we go again. <laughs> go. Let's go. The time seems to have come. This time, I mean, it just, it's time. It's time. It's time to come get down to business and get this done. Oh, but wait. Moses, needs, Moses has something to say. Hang on. Look at verse 12. But Moses spoke before God, saying, Behold, the sons of Israel have not listened to me. The sons of Israel, these are your people, God. They've not listened to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? For I am unskilled in speech. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, an ancient document, the tale of the eloquent peasant, suggests that eloquence was important in Egyptian culture. And so Moses knew this. Obviously, he knew this. And he know, he's thinking, I'm, I, I just can't, I can't talk that way. I can't do that. So this is, an, this is not an unfounded excuse, but it is one that God could take care of 
It is one that God could handle. I'm just unskilled in speech. Look at verse 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron and gave them a chart. Whoa, again, there it is. God overlooks that, says, you know, mm, not going to give me that one again. Uh, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron and gave them a charge to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Let's go. That's what he says. Let's go. Let's go. It's time. Let's go back. Let's go back. You go back to Pharaoh. You tell him again. You tell him again what I told you. You tell Pharaoh to let my people go. God is in control. That's one thing we've seen. Today, God is in control and he means what he says. God hears your cries. He sees your affliction. And he can still be trusted when your situation seems doomy gloomy. He can still be trusted. God also speaks. And when God speaks, the question is, do we listen? Do we listen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for Moses and Aaron. And wow, they they were certainly human beings like all of us today. Not a lot of difference at all. Having difficulty trusting you. Father, help us. Help us to know that you are with us. Help us to know that we can trust you no matter what. Help us, Father. Lord, there may be somebody here this morning that has never trusted in you, who has never given their heart to you, who has never said, look, I I am a sinner. I have sinned against you, Father. Will you forgive me? Will you repent? Will you turn away from that sin? Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to give your heart to him? Are you ready to allow him to be in charge of your life? Maybe you need to make that decision to follow him today. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would continue to make it alive in our hearts. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement today. Uh, We hope that uh, you will contact us if you're listening to these and you're enjoying these Words of Encouragement. We hope that you will contact us so that we can hear from you. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. We'd be delighted to hear from you. Uh, All you have to do is go to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. And there's a little button that says contact us. And you can click on that and uh, email us through the website. We'd love to hear from you. We don't make it through this world by ourselves. We need the help of God And it sure helps to have a loving church along the way. It sure helps to have brothers and sisters in Christ along the way. I hope that you have a church that you are a part of, a body of believers that you can worship with. If not, I hope that you find one. Find one that teaches the Bible. Find one that is uh, preaching the Word and living the Word. I hope that you can find one soon. If not... We'd love to have you come and visit us at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. We may be far away from you, but we're here. We're here for you. Contact us at fbcwinsboro.com. Until next time, I hope that the Lord truly and richly blesses you.